Okay, guys, so for my last episode of Dealership Confessions, I have a Mr. Sean here. Um, he has been in the automotive industry for 20 years, and he's done a little bit of everything. So today I just wanted to get his look on and his view on the industry. So what's your full name? It's uh, Sean Loftus. Sean Loftus. And okay, so go ahead. How'd you start in the industry? Um, actually, just by chance, I was, uh, I had been in the uh, grocery retail industry for 12 years, uh, and then I broke off and started my own company, and then two years later, my company was bought out, and I was looking for something to do, so I saw an ad for uh, uh, an auto salesman uh, close to where I lived, and so I, I thought, well, I'll just go in there and see what it's about and uh if it doesn't work out then at the first of the year i'll put my resume out there and uh 20 years later i'm still in it so what year was this this was 1998 got it and which um dealership did you start at at uh gullo toyota of conroe and how'd you like it over there i liked it i was with the gullos for 13 years. Ah, so that wasn't Group 1. It was not a Group 1 store. Ah, okay. So it was just a family-owned company. Family-owned business. Uh So why'd you leave? Well, basically, in a family-owned business, you you get to the point where um, there's no more ladder to climb because the family has all of the top positions at the dealership. Nepotism. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then... uh, they had uh, children that were graduating college, and so I just knew that at some point I was, to, if I was going to move up any farther in my career, I was going to have to go mm-hmm. outside of the dealership. But so. I feel like that's any dealership, though. You only get moved up if you know somebody. That's how I feel. That's, uh, you know, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, um, yeah, there's some politics involved, no matter where you, where you go to work. That's yeah. for sure. So, where'd you land after that? Um, so, I left there, and I, then I was with uh, Berkshire Hathaway um, group for a while with uh, Joe Myers. Uh, and then I left them and went to um, Texas Auto. And from Texas Auto, I actually um, got out of the auto industry for just a little bit. Actually, I, I well... I was still with the auto industry because I was a vendor for the auto industry, but I did outside sales um, and sold back to dealerships. And I did that for a period of time, and then then I came to Group One. Well, how long ago did you come to Group One, and at which dealership? Uh, well, it was actually at Advantage BMW. Okay. Um, and I left Advantage actually to go and do this uh, I was a regional sales director for Spirion so that was the vendor that I okay. I left for and then uh, and then now I'm back with Group 1 so what confessions do you have oh my gosh um, well th- there are there are a lot uh, you know uh, the car business has changed a ton over 20 years but mm-hmm. um, we used to do uh, it used to be the wild west back when I started uh, the dealership we would um, we would lock the doors at night uh, when all the customers were gone and um, drink behind the dealership for hours on end and um, you know and 
other things. So, <laughs> um, but you know, it's it's become a lot more structured over the years, and and uh, uh, so I mean, you can still have fun in a dealership, uh, but it but it certainly is not as crazy as it as it used to be. Do you like the structure? Do you think it's catering to millennials who are taking um, over the? Yeah, I do actually. Circuit? I think that that um, you know, I think for any industry to survive, they have to adapt. Mm -hmm. And I think the auto industry has done a good job of uh, of realizing um, uh, where their weaknesses were and where their faults were. Because I, you know, I know that uh, for most people, um, you know, there's a negative connotation with with car salesmen, and uh, uh, and rightly so because back, you know. When I started in this business, it was, uh, um, you know, there were a lot of people that, that were not ethical, um, didn't didn't really care about the consumer. And, you know, and I understand that it's always about um, taking care of yourself and making as much money as you can. But, you know, you can do that in an ethical manner. And I think that now we have gotten to the point where um, there's just so much information out there for the consumer. Um, which is great because I think they walk into the door feeling more confident that they have a, a good grasp of what they should pay for a vehicle, uh, what things cost, um, and uh, and so I think it puts I think it takes a lot of the pressure off of not only the the consumer but also the salesperson because um, you know there doesn't need to be that animosity between a, a, a consumer and the and the salesperson anymore. Um, you know, a salesperson really these days has just become um, kind of like a customer service agent to the to the consumer. You know, just give them all the information that they can, make sure that they have a great buying experience, and uh, uh, and get them the vehicle that they're looking for. And really, the rest is taken care of. So, have you always done sales? What are we, what are we doing? Learning. Learning. I'm learning. This learning. guy just started. Oh I don't even gosh. know if he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> You're messing up a podcast. I know. You're messing up a podcast for her school. This is for her school. Well, why wouldn't you talk to somebody who knows what the hell time Because is? he's been in for 20 years. No, he, he, was, he was in diapers he when I started in the car business. So I forgot more than he knows. So wait, time out. When you're did you older? start? You're older than him? Uh, 10 years older than him. When did you start? You look 10 years older 1998. than 1998. Thank you. Burn. No, I'm kidding. It's because of people like you. <laughs> In 98, when you just got your braces taken off. I started when I got out of high school in August of 97. Well, so I've been doing it longer, sir. Side so note, now you're getting a look so, at so what, what the car industry really is. Very competitive. <laughs> Very competitive environment. <laughs> Even over a podcast. Okay. See? See what we're so talking about. So you said salesperson and mm -hmm. then finance? Uh... No, you were asking me like how how things are perceived these days, or how um, the wild west. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It used to be. I mean, the the auto industry was was pretty much the wild it's west fun. when it started. Way more fun. It was That's a it was it was a lot more said. fun. Um, but you at the same time, so oh. That's right. You asked about the millennials and how things yeah. have changed. And I said, well, now there's it's so much. It's to us, right? Like yeah. how we're being so conscious about everything. Yeah, the auto industry has grown up a lot. And I, you know, like I said, for any business to survive nowadays, you have to be able to adapt. Yeah. And so. 
Um, I think the auto industry has done a good job of, uh, of we've gotten away from that whole mentality that, you know, of the used car salesperson. And, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and now, now everything um, is transparent for the consumer. Um, you know, they can do all, all their online shopping, get all of their information. The Internet has been, you know, at first, I know when I was in the auto industry, when the Internet came out, we had this fear mm-hmm. back then that, oh, great, well, they're now... Like the, the Internet customer. Yeah. They're, they were labeled an Internet customer. You know, completely you, different. you can't make money. Um, yeah. They're going to get fear all their information. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually, shortly after starting in the auto industry we we got an internet department well i was the one person in that internet department and back then back then it was don't give them any pricing information at all set the appointment you know it's kind of like now where you uh or or the way the way it really used to be was that when you got on a phone or a customer called in and wanted to talk to you about a car it was just set the appointment just set the appointment get them in and then once you've got them in front of you, we'll go over, you know, we'll but do pricing. But that's still the mentality so, now. And I think it's great. Um, like, bring them in, bring them in. Well, it, it, it is. But, but nowadays, you have to, an internet customer or, mm-hmm. or, or someone who's online looking at information, mm-hmm. they're, the, they're the people that, as long as they can stay behind a, a keyboard, mm-hmm. they will. You have to give them a reason to want to come to you. And at the end of the day... It's always about pricing, and they're not coming to somebody that that, that won't that won't be that won't be forthright with information. If they won't tell them anything, and another dealer will get will just vomit all the information, then the likelihood of you getting them in is 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 very short. Unless they live around the block and they're doing all that that shopping to just get the best price. I respectfully disagree with one thing you said, okay. and that was that. This business is adapting. Mm-hmm. We haven't yet. We are being forced to because we fought it. The problem that we've always had in our business mm-hmm. is we ran it like it was 30 years ago. Yes. And we refused to change. Everything was so good, we didn't have to change. Right. right. And that's where I said that the I think the Internet has been, I think all of this has been good for the consumer and for the dealership because nowadays... The stigma of walking into a dealership and actually sitting in front of a salesperson, and uh, the whole you know that that they're going to lie to you, mm-hmm. that, that that it's all smoke and mirrors, all of that really with internet shopping, with all the information that's out there, all mm-hmm. these different websites, you know, that give them pricing and and tell them all about the car. Um, really, the the consumer comes in with a greater understanding and. You know the fear is really gone because mm-hmm. the, the the pricing is so transparent mm-hmm. that now really a salesperson should be more of a a customer service person to to the consumer. You know, sit them down, uh, make them feel comfortable, get them their drinks or whatever, and give them the information about the vehicle because mm-hmm. really ninety percent of your customers that walk in the door. They kind of have a pretty good idea of what they're going to pay for a vehicle when they walk in. They really do. So I'm going to add on to what he's saying. He's turning everything to internet. Mm-hmm. Like 20 years ago, it was internet. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now it's technology. Right. Right. It's not even, it's so far past the internet. It is. 
Yes. For the first 10 years of it, probably at least everybody was scrambling to figure out to understand this mm -hmm. internet customer. Because it was clear cut. You had customers, retail mm -hmm. customers, and you had internet customers. And guys like him and me, when we first started out, had to figure out how to sell internet customers. Mm -hmm. Everything's punched. Awesome. The two sevens. Okay. Um, logs updated. Awesome. Runs and watch internet until about seven. Okay. And then I got it. Got okay. my computer with me. Need anything? Yeah. Whatever. Punch. You're coming tomorrow, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, but if like there's something last minute that we need to find. I got it. I got it. All right. But so you're saying it was a clear cut between the well, two? Well, true, years. and Justin's right because when 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 we, when he and I started in the mm -hmm. internet, back then there was no tracking like response times, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's that no guide, there was no, nobody knew there, anything. We, okay. Sometimes you get to a customer a day later or two days later because you had a customer in front of you and we were the one person that was running an internet department, right? So if mm -hmm. I had a customer in front of me and someone had sent in a lead, well, the whole time that I'm out with this customer, if I, and then if I did a delivery and all that, well, I'd look back and I'm like, well, it's been five hours. Mm -hmm. Well, it got to the point that once there was a little more structure in the internet department, it was... You have to do it within an hour or less. Well, nowadays, I mean, it literally is, if you don't contact this person back within five minutes, yeah, they are on Absolutely. to the next dealer. Because now, you know, everything we do nowadays, you know, we're connected to our phone. <clears throat> we can go, actually, you can, you can order your food and pick it up as you're driving mm -hmm. through, you know. Mm -hmm. So everything is so instant that you... You have to have, which is why now dealerships, it's become most of the dealership are these teams of people that are they're actually either have internet leads or they have a specific internet department because as soon as the lead comes in, they're sourcing it out to somebody and you and you need you need the email, you need the phone call like, like nowadays, which is completely different. Mm -hmm. You know, when I came here and I was doing these, Justin was like, hey, look, not only with every customer do we send an email back, but we text them, right? Yeah. And it makes sense. But you realize that when you're out of it for a while, you're like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah, these people are, I mean, you, because so many now, mm -hmm. they'll get back to their email yeah. later on. Some don't check it for days at a time. Yeah. If it's like their personal their Gmail or something yeah. like that. Or if they're really busy, too. And but, um, I think back in the day, we had, we kind of had a luxury of, there were only certain stores bought in mm -hmm. to the internet. You had yes. a lot of our yes. You had so a lot of pushback. Old, a lot of yeah. stores built were so old school that mm -hmm. they yep. thought it was a fad. They thought yep. this will pass. Mm -hmm. And you had to be really like, hey, I had a GM. I was young. I was a punk ass kid right out of high school. Mm -hmm. and I BS my way. They thought I was some computer genius. Mm -hmm. So they gave I mean, me yeah, look at him. They gave me an internet manager job. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh shit, I've got to figure out how this thing works. So. <laughs> I cleaned up a lot, mm -hmm. but on my drive home, I would go, what did I learn today? I learned, don't do that, because it doesn't work, and I would try to, so I figured out what worked. Mm -hmm. yeah. But we were lucky, because not everybody bought in. You mm -hmm. had your, you could have five stores within 10 miles, and maybe one other one had an internet department. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was probably for the well, first few years. And then, when it became a thing like having Auto Trader. <clears throat> and all those, well, you'd have dealerships ones, that... Kenley yeah. Blue Book. You'd have newer, younger general managers at a dealership that, that bought into the internet and they put all their money into driving the customer from the internet right uh -huh. so when companies like auto trader came in and would go to a dealership and say hey look you can pay for 
space on our site, right? If you can be you can be a premium dealer and pay this much, or you can just be a standard <coughs> member and pay this much. Well, if you had a younger general manager or someone who was running a store and they bought into the internet or they were using the internet, they were like, hey, listen, we have to be a premium member on Auto Trader. I want, and, and they'd buy all these spotlight ads. They wanted all this stuff so that their car was, every time somebody clicked on Auto Trader, their car was right in front of them, mm -hmm. right? So they paid all this money to, but then you'd, ha you'd, you'd have some stores that were like, no, no, no! Look, we just need to have our cars on there. Yeah. We don't. We give me the free listing. Yeah, I, okay. I don't, I don't need to be way up there. Well, then they found they were the ones that found out later on, and it, and honestly, if you go around Houston now, unless they don't have the money and they're a small family dealership or a mm -hmm. privately owned dealership, mm -hmm. every single large dealer in Houston is a premium member of Auto Trader, and now it's how do we, how do we get our cars to be at the very top well with auto trader the highest priced car is number one so someone would always order a car mm -hmm. that was the highest priced car you could buy if you if you ordered a new car you wanted one that was your your your, your premium luxury line vehicle and it had every option on it so that they'd be number one so it was just it was funny how over the years the mentality just changed and then people that were behind the eight ball you know they were behind the times it took them a long time to catch up because there were dealers that already had their presence on that market and people saw it all the time. Mm -hmm. They were buying banners and they had all this stuff on the internet to attract buyers to them. What do you think is the next ad? I think that through um, through channels like the, through, you know, uh, buying space on huge social media platforms um also on you know popular apps whether it be spotify or pandora or yeah. you know whatever um that you can pay for space there but I, I honestly don't know i think there is something i think something is coming along that's not here yet mm -hmm. that is going to be the next big do you thing. agree with the social media thing you think that's the next big thing that's going to hit every industry including the auto industry in some way shape or form okay I, I don't know if it's positive or negative, but it will affect it. But I think that today's generation of buyer, with the marketing that's been done over the years, know what sites to go to to get the information mm -hmm. they want, mm -hmm. right? So it's not like, I don't, I think that makes it less likely that there's somebody's gonna come and dump a bunch of money and say, hey, we're the site to come to. Right. Because you've got established sites like Edmonds or KBB or whatever just to help educate them or narrow them down mm -hmm. because they can do head-to-head -head comparisons on, on models they're yeah. considering because you know it's like the stat they gave me in the manager meetings people go to 1.7 stores before they buy something it used to be how many uh tw 20 years ago people would stop at five was it five, five? or six five or six uh -huh. So, but remember, those are the, those are, this was the day when people drove to a dealership, physically had to look at cars, get in them, touch them and all that, and then go to the next one and compare the car they just drove to the car the that they're they driving now. Them, there was no email. The only way they were talking to them was calling on the phone. Yep. If you didn't drive up and meet somebody right. and walk in. Mm -hmm. So it's completely different in that aspect. But now I think what's coming is... You, you hear these technology companies spending mm -hmm. millions of dollars to find the next thing mm -hmm. that's going to affect the business, right? Mm -hmm. 
um, they're going to tie the use of the mobile technology in with what we do. There's people out there trying to think way far ahead and eliminate actual dealing face to face. I mean, you know, well, yeah, you see, yeah. mortgage. You see that, or like right now, you can on an app and you never can, have to do anything. You can buy. We've already seen Carvana, right? Yeah. Um, here's where I, f- I feel or like that, that has a one. that has a niche, and I always think that that's going to be a niche market. Yeah. To me, and I'll tell you why. I think that because luxury clientele customers, let's just take BMW, Lexus, Mercedes, um, Land Rover, all of those. Those consumers expect. A complete buying experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, they like to be catered to. Um, if it gets to the point where people can literally, uh, you know, like with Carvana, you can do your research and then yeah. you just pick your car, and then just, you know, next thing you know, you're pulling up to the front of the dealership and there's your car, and someone just hands you the keys. Mm-hmm. The reason I don't think that the luxury market will ever have it to where the we're just kiosks, basically, um, is because these cars are so packed with technology and a luxury customer, they feel that part of the p- price that they just paid for that vehicle is someone catering to them, walking in them through the process, giving that, that red carpet treatment. Mm-hmm. And so I think there will always be, there will always be a need in this industry for a salesperson. I just, I just do. I, I mean, not now. I may, I may be completely naive in that, but I just think that, that when when somebody spends a hundred thousand dollars, it's different than when someone spends twenty thousand dollars. What do you think? I agree with everything you said in terms of what the luxury buyer today wants and expects and appreciates and will pay for. But as that generation is dying off, and they are literally dying. Oh, off. Oh, right. Right. So now you're talking about millennials and I'm talking about it being less and less. Mm -hmm. It's about immediacy. It's about how is this easiest for me? It's about them being in complete control from start to finish. And if there is a way something comes out that says I can eliminate having to deal with anyone else, you can just spend your money to get what you want. That's what's going to happen. I don't know if it's sustainable, right? but I think it's going to get to like when the internet came out. Yeah. We're going to have to adjust. We're going to have to do something. Let's do a Hail Mary and dump a bunch of money here. Right? Yeah. It, something's going to come out that says, okay, I've got it. You can sign your name on this so you don't even have to sign real docs. Just like other industries are doing right now. It just hasn't affected us mm-hmm. because we're behind the eight ball and a lot of shit. But people out there spending a bunch of money. Yeah, if you heard it. So, and I honestly don't know a lot about it, but when I was with Spiron, there were a couple people that left to go to this new. Yeah. Have you heard of FAIR? No. Okay. So there's a new app called Fair. Okay. And you can, uh, you can pick your car, pick your, you can pick your car, pick your monthly payment. Now it has to be a Fair dealership, so they've signed up with Fair. You can pick your car, pick your payment on here, sign on this, and go to the dealership and pick up your car. So it's like browsing in an app. You can trade it any you can trade that car anytime you yeah. anytime you want to. Now with any dealership that's always the case. 
someone came in and bought this thing today and tomorrow they said, you know what, I think I just want to trade that in. You, you always can, but I'm sure what they're doing on that is they're like, okay, well, now you've traded that vehicle in. Here's your, these are your new vehicles you can choose from, and this is your new monthly payment. That's but, what I mean, though. That's, it's, there's yeah. something that's coming soon that is going to affect it yeah. in a major way that we're not even seeing right now. But it's going to end up being something that simple which is catering to the next generation of buyers that comes up. Right. You know, they don't want to feel sold. They want to be True. in control. Nobody's selling me shit. I'm going to buy all I want to buy. And that's a mentality thing, right? And they want, they want it done on their terms. Yeah. They've got the time right well, there. And, and, and it's it. the same thing with even financing your vehicle, right? Like we, I remember a, a time in a dealership where you were like, you know, like we all hate when you, when you work for a dealer someone that says hey i have my own financing right because it's that they just took away an opportunity that you had we but had if, up on our side right of the table so so let's room. say we we lost money on the front end of a car well we had the opportunity to make it up on the back well if, if the consumer's taking that part out too we're like okay but now like on the fair app i mean people are going to get to the point which they kind of do now yeah they not only shop the car they they not only shop the car and they see what kind of specials you have for interest rates. You know, like BMW will put up there 0.9 or 1.9 yeah. or whatever. Well, every other bank is doing the same thing. Or they can go to their credit union. And so people, they don't, they don't just shop that anymore. They shop everything so that they know when they walk in a dealership, look, I, I, I can, they can pull up the monthly payment within $10 and go, yeah. this is what I should be walking out of. You got people well, sitting at your desk with these calculators. Yeah. Apps. And they're sitting there saying, that lease payment's not right. What's yep. your money factor? What's your residual? Yeah. yeah. And, and they'll challenge you on it. Much smarter consumer nowadays. Yeah. Um, All right, guys. We'll leave that. Very right. good conversation. See? Pretty good podcast? Yes. Yeah. Okay.